Former Friends star Matthew Perry was found dead in a hot tub, as a number of people are pointing to his recent memoir and other statements he had concerning crying out to God and reportedly receiving help in his career and then his substance abuse problem. And we take a look at a video of Roman Catholic Bishop Robert Barron sharing with Ben Shapiro what he needs to do in order to be saved. And look at how the Catholic Church's ecumenical doctrine could help lead to the false prophet mentioned in the book of Revelation. Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we're going to be looking at a number of comments that have been made. Uh, I guess you could say a lot of different religious leaders or non-religious leaders talking about the death of former Friends star Matthew Perry, as well as the Catholic Church and some of the ecumenical doctrines that we see being taught through Vatican II and teachers from the Catholic Church. But before we get into that, we want to also ask you to subscribe to the Good Fight Ministries YouTube channel, as well as like this very episode. And if you feel so led, leave a five-star review if you're listening to this via podcast. And we also wanted to let you guys know about Sparky the Broken Mirror. That is the new book by Pastor Joe Schimmel. It is a children's book that a lot of people are getting for gifts for people in this time of year. In fact, somebody just recently said, man, I just missed it. I would have bought more copies because I would have handed out to people in order to share the gospel who were coming to my house to try to trick or treat and instead try to use it to share the gospel. So there are a number of different ways that you can use it and you can get it at sparkybook.com or you can find it on Amazon or just go to goodfight.org and you can check it out there. But back to some more somber news uh, because somebody did lose their life and a lot of people are very sad from hearing about it. And for those who didn't know, Matthew Perry was a megastar on the hit TV show Friends. And he was recently found, according to reports, the Friends star died of an apparent drowning at his home in Los Angeles. The city's fire department has shared details surrounding the circumstances, confirming they found an adult male unconscious in a standalone hot tub. After responding to an emergency call, a bystander had brought the man's head above the water and got him on the edge. Then firefighters removed him from the water upon their revival. Captain Eric Scott from the LAFD told E! News in an October 30th statement. A rapid medical assessment sadly revealed the man was deceased prior to the first responder arriving. Scott noted that Perry's death is currently under investigation by the LAPD and the LA County Medical Examiner. We mourn with family and friends, he concluded, who lose a loved one unexpectedly. Perry's rep and law enforcement source confirmed to NBC News that the Emmy nominee died at the age of 54 on October 28th. Interestingly enough, Matthew Perry actually posted his final time on Instagram, a picture of himself actually in a hot tub. And a lot of people are making a lot of comments regarding his death. Some have uh, more of an investigatory nature that they're trying to say, well, maybe it's because of this or the cabal or whatever. And then you have others just showing, man, this is really sad that this happened. And a lot of people are posting different statements and different videos where Matthew Perry has actually talked about God and even prayer and, according to him, having an experience with him. For the first time in my life, I knelt down and prayed. 
And that prayer was, please God, make me famous. You can do anything you want to me. Just make me famous. Three weeks later, I got friends, and God did not forget about the second part. <laughs> you had no trouble with the lines. You had no trouble with the timing. You had no trouble showing up every day. Early on, yes. And I made a rule that I would never drink or take anything at work. So I would never do that, but I would show up blindly hungover, like shaking and crazy hungover. The spiral into prescription drugs has begun. He has a memory of the first pill as indelible as the first teenage drink long ago. And I was doing fine this afternoon. He was making a movie called Fools Rush In, and during a lunch break, he was playing around on a jet ski, has an injury. He's given a pill for the pain and says it was like warm honey entering his veins. I mean, I, I had the American dream happen to me. I got the great job. I was good at it. I had a, I bought a house. I, the house had a pool. Uh, you know, I was had the American <laughs> dream. And I really, really liked it. Loved it for about six months. And then I walked in my house and went, oh, man, this is not fixing this problem that I have. Then deep into addiction, there was a more, much more real prayer, you know, to save my life, you know, and that was answered as well. And while many people are pointing out, like this is a guy who was crying out when he was in need and they even showed on, you know, when it came to being in front of Bill Maher, who is a God hater and mocks people who believe in God, uh, they even show him talking about a higher power to him and and Bill Maher joking. And by the way, all these atheists that just talk about these forces and, and stuff and don't realize those forces are probably demonic and they're pushing their life along and they have no idea that they're part of the prince of the power of the air getting worked through as sons of disobedience. But to sidestep that. There's also this, and this recently came out in a report. In his memoir, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing, the actor who played Chandler Bing in the cult 90s comedy series Friends details 14 stints he had in rehab and 15 stomach surgeries and more than 60 attempts to detox from drugs. He also talks about his supernatural encounter. This is how Perry describes reaching out to God in desperation. Quote, God, please help me, I whispered. Show me that you are here. God, please help me. As I kneeled, the light slowly began to get bigger and bigger until it was so big that it encompassed the entire room. What was happening and why was I starting to feel better? I started to cry. I mean, I really started to cry. That shoulder shaking kind of uncontrollable weeping. I wasn't crying because I was sad. I was crying because for the first time in my life, I felt okay. I felt safe, taken care of. Decades of struggling with God and wrestling with life and sadness, all was being washed away, like a river of pain gone into oblivion. I had been in the presence of God. I was certain of it. And this time, I had prayed for the right thing, help. And so a lot of people are looking at these different statements he has made, either in interview or in print, and they're saying, look, at this is somebody who had a relationship with God. This is somebody who prayed, please give me this, this career and let me be famous just like my dad and, and, and so forth. And then next thing you know, he, three weeks later, is starring in the show Friends. And then now you have this, all these stints in rehab, all of this stomach surgeries and pumps and 60 attempts to detox from drugs. And then finally he has this victory where he thinks God 
comes to him. And a lot of people are looking at it and saying, look, there's a sliver of hope. And in fact, Michael Knowles of The Daily Wire talked about this on his show as well. I mean, the fact that his book was such a big hit and it was so helpful, and it, it came out just shortly before he died, uh, that's good. And it's a consolation that, that the guy had a, a relationship with God. You know, we, we hope that everyone comes into the fullness of truth, but any little step in the right direction is hopeful. And it's why especially troubled people can be uh, great guides for the rest of us because we, we see the logical consequences of vice and sin. They know it better than anybody. You know, and, and so they're, they're often the ones who are some of the best evangelists. So anyway, worth, worth praying for Matthew Perry and a really, uh, really poignant end to uh, an unexpected end to a career that's basically known for some catchphrases from a 90s sitcom. And when you hear that, I think for a lot of people, they go, oh, that, that looks really good. There's somewhat of an ambiguous statement and a hope. And the Bible does say that love hopes all things. But one thing that is very clear and sad throughout all the talk uh, that Matthew Perry did give regarding um, God and talking to God and getting victory, um, you don't see anything about Jesus, uh, the king who became a man. God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ, and he died a horrible death on the cross for our sins and rose again on the third day, proving with a, beyond a shadow of a doubt that he truly is the risen king, that he truly is the only way. And in fact, when it comes to Jesus, before he went to the cross, he made it very clear when he was praying to his father in heaven that if there was any other way, let this cup, the cup of wrath that was going to be poured out for the sins of the world, let this cup pass for me. And so salvation is far more than a prayer to have a career. It's far more than a prayer to get off drugs. And I'm just being honest with you guys. This is my heart's cry. I am somebody who was completely given over to alcohol. Uh, my, my entire life was given over to that and rage and idolatry and hatred and all of those things. And yes, it is great to become sober. Uh, it is great to get off those things. But if it doesn't come alongside the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ so that we are more than conquerors through him, through him, through his power, through him who loves us. Ultimately, it's null and void and people can be sober all the way to the hell. Now, does that mean that I know exactly what Matthew Perry's last thoughts were and where he was in his standing with God? No, it doesn't. But just as Michael Knowles is saying there, he's saying something we cannot do. Uh, we cannot pray for the dead. We cannot pray for Matthew Perry now. And whenever I see someone pass away, and this isn't out of arrogance, this isn't out of, oh, if only I could do it, I could have saved him or something like that. But one of the things that breaks my heart is when I see people who have struggled with addiction or whatever it may be, and when they do pass on, I do have, I, I don't know about you, but the first thought I think, man, I wish I could have shared the gospel with him. Not that I'm going to be the one and I do such a great job of sharing the gospel. I'm sure there's millions of people who do a great job and plenty of which do a better job than I could if sharing the gospel with someone. But truly sharing the gospel, not just a victory over some pet sin or whatever it may be, but truly having victory over sin because our sins are bought and paid for by Jesus Christ. And so, yeah, that's what makes me sad. And I would want to present a true gospel and not one that is ambiguous, which is exactly what seems to be being displayed by Michael Knowles. Now, I don't know what Michael Knowles believes concerning Vatican II or where he is in some of those ecumenical doctrines of the 
Roman church. I don't even like saying Catholic. That's a term that means universal. But colloquially, most people, when they hear Catholic, they believe the Roman Catholic church. But the church in Rome, uh, which has a distorted gospel, they themselves have proclaimed through Vatican II, which is to them a sacred council, they have proclaimed this ecumenism. And in fact, we can even see it when on the Daily Wire, in an interview with Ben Shapiro, when he asked basically, as long as I keep the commandments, Bishop Barron, uh, am I saved? And here is what Bishop Barron had to say. The Catholic view, go back to uh, the Second Vatican Council, says it very clearly. I mean, Christ is the privileged route to salvation. I mean, God so loved the world, he gave his only son that we might find eternal life. So that's the, the privileged route. However, Vatican II clearly teaches that someone outside the explicit Christian faith can be saved. Now, they're saved through the grace of Christ, indirectly received. So, I mean, the grace is coming from Christ, but it might be received according to your uh, conscience. So, if you're following your conscience sincerely, or in your case, you're following the commandments of the law sincerely, yeah, you can be saved. Now, there is a lot of a problematic things. There are a lot of problematic things said there by Bishop Barron, uh, not only works-based salvation and so forth, but he quotes Vatican II, something I've already mentioned. But I want to read where he could have come to this conclusion, that there can be salvation outside of the church. Now, this is exactly what Vatican II says under the decree on ecumenism. It says, quote, It follows that the separated churches and communities as such, though we believe them to be deficient in some respects, have been by no means deprived of significance and importance in the mystery of salvation. For the Spirit of Christ has not refrained from using them. These are false churches. These are cults. These are doctrines that are wrong. And I'll show you exactly what he means by this and what Vatican II means by this uh, by the Pope, by the Pope John Paul who was actually a part of this uh, this this council, I'll show you what that means. It says, using them as a means of salvation, which derive their efficacy from the very fullness of grace and truth entrusted to the church. That's what Michael Knowles may be referring to when he calls the fullness of truth. And that is exactly what I believe that uh, Mr. Barron, I don't even like calling him bishop, he's not truly a bishop of God, but anyways, uh, Bishop Barron there, what he was describing as what Vatican II allots, what it allows for. But here is what Pope John Paul at Vatican II, what he wrote in the Lumen Gentium. But the plan of salvation also includes those who acknowledge the Creator. In the first place amongst these, there are the Muslims who professing to hold the faith of Abraham along with us endure the one and merciful God who on the last day will judge mankind. So it can be clearly seen why somebody like Bishop Barron uh, could come to the conclusion that, hey, of course Ben Shapiro could be saved just following the Ten Commandments as best as he possibly could, especially when you're reading through, and not only Vatican II, but what Pope John Paul had said uh, concerning that with Muslims. So one of the things, I, I guess I want to bring this out because it is important when I first got saved, the first week I came to Blessed Hope Chapel, Chapel after I watched They Sold the Souls of Rock and Roll, I got saved and I came to a message. And that message was really important to me and it's something that I still practice today. And that is, I, I like to call it the prayer that the Lord gave us rather than the Lord's Prayer. And it was just that starting point of recognizing how to pray and recognizing, wait a second, what I need to do is first make God's name holy. 
And the reason why that prayer was so important and why it was being taught that week is because an inaugural prayer, an ecumenical prayer that had just taken place with none other than Rick Warren, where he called Jesus Isa, not the true Jesus of the Bible, but Isa from the Quran. And so ecumenism immediately, I was like, wow. And a video was given to me, a number of videos by Pastor Joe Schimmel, and one of them that he was featured in was Megiddo, March to Armageddon. And not only the biblical prophecy that was detailed so clearly in that, I was like, wow, and Daniel became my first favorite book of the Bible. But what stuck out to me was what took place in 1986 with a meeting at the Basilica of St. Francis. And Pastor Joe Schimmel was featured in this. So I want to talk about that, and I want to bring him on. So, so Joe, in Megiddo, you show this ecumenical movement with Pope John Paul and him inviting all of these, I mean, snake charmers and yeah. Muslims and— Very eerie, uh, by the way. <laughs> the Dalai Lama, B- Buddha— they yeah. literally had Buddha yeah. up there at yeah. an altar. I mean, pretty crazy. But I, I thought maybe give some little details about this before we really dig into maybe the false prophet and what's going on, what could definitely be going on with the book of Revelation. Yeah, before we yeah do with the false prophet, that it'd be good to kind of set the stage with, which everything you're saying does set the stage because there's this kind of generic view of God that becomes acceptable. When Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, because he's the one that gave himself for us and rose from the dead and shed his blood for us. No one, no one comes to the Father but through me, but... Uh, when you look at it from a historical perspective, I mean, and you look at recent things like you have, you know, Pope Francis, you know, and, uh, you know, talking, you know, about with the Archbishop of Canterbury saying, hey, we need to, you know, re- fully reunite, you know, the Roman Catholic Church by bringing you back into the fold and then working toward that. That's, that's mind boggling. And when you have different things like, you know, right now Israel is being called to a ceasefire by the Pope, you know, don't defend yourself, just let them regroup, which is kind of what's going on there if, if you end up doing that. Uh, when you're on the verge of, you know, getting victory over Hamas. And then, they're, and then they're, you know, the Vatican's talking to Iran, you know. And this is all gets really spooky when you look at the bigger picture of the beast empire and the false prophet, which I'm sure we'll get into talking about a little bit here. But when you think about this, it's a blow mind because if you look at the historical aspect of what's gone on, Jesus warned that the anti-persecution would have those claiming they'd be killing us Christians, uh, thinking that they're doing service to God, they'd be under this strong delusion because Antichrist will claim to be God in uh, Mark chapter, I'm sorry, John chapter 16, the first few verses. And it's interesting because how does that happen? I mean, how does Christianity get all jacked up in reverse? Well, you have the rise of Constantine and the Edict of Milan in 313 of tolerance, you know, religious tolerance. And then he claims to have this vision uh, of, of, you know, in this sign, big cross, uh, conquer, and he persuades his army to conquer uh, basically others in the name of the cross now, which is not Christian at all, by the way. Jesus said, if my servant, if my kingdom was of this world, then my servants would fight. Uh, and he was a liar. I'm sorry, Constantine, that was a, he's a political opportunist. The year before that, he said he was shown, you know, Jupiter in this sign, conquer. So whatever works, right? So he thought, wow, the Christian faith is spreading. Let me bring them into the fold. But he never truly converted to Christianity. He refused to be baptized. He he refused to go to church. He refused to be baptized until just before he died. Uh, And and he refused to go to the church. And and he was involved in all kinds of paganism, you know, that you can document. So you think about that. And uh, the irony, Chad, that blows me away is, guess what? Now he's not persecuting Christians in the name of these false gods. Then he starts persecuting Christians in the name of Christ, the Donatist up there in North Africa, who said, wait, this isn't true Christianity, what he's pushing. 
the, the, the priests are, you know, the, you know, the leaders are immoral, wicked, yeah. they're wicked, and they separated themselves, and then he started having them killed. Of course, then you had Augustine come in as the primary uh, so-called saint of the Roman Catholic Church, uh, saying, yeah, Jesus said we're supposed to kill people if they don't join our church. Compel and them. Huh? He said, yeah, when Jesus said compel them to come in, he means use your words, but if they don't listen to your words, then you can use the sword. This is all demonic, guys. This is not from Christ. So it's interesting. They became ecumenical in a way. Let's broaden our tent, but they became very forceful. And I've seen, I see what's happening, the same thing with Mormonism. They can't, uh, Mormons say at your front door, man, we're the only true church. It, it stopped working because Christians became very aware of how to combat them through the internet and so forth. So then I was like, oh, well, we're just another denomination yeah. now. Catholicism ran into the same thing. People became aware, so aware of all the false teachings that they began to broaden. Well, really, you know, we're separated brethren and so forth. So now what you're seeing is, uh, I believe in the future, and I'm sure this will tie into the false prophet in some way, one way or another, you're gonna have a lot of people uh, persecuting true Christians who refuse to bow to the Antichrist in the name of Christ. Absolutely. And you know what's crazy is you see all these snake charmers and things that they got going on there at, that Pope John Paul was doing. And I think plenty of people, and even Catholics and stuff, the current Pope, and I hate using that word. It means Papa. He's not my Papa. Uh, Amen. <laughs> it's just absolutely ridiculous. But but when, when I look at that and you see this guy has said things that, you know, uh, you know, told a little girl that her atheist father is probably going to heaven and, and things like that. You're like, what is going yeah. on? But guys, Pope John Paul literally kissed a Quran. And in fact, the patriarch archbishop, Raphael of Chalcedon, uh, the, the, this is what he said regarding the image. Cause some people said, oh no, it was a binder. It was this, this is what he said. He was the one pictured with him. There's a Muslim cleric to his left and then uh, to the left of the Pope and to the right, this is the very man who was sitting there. And this is what he said, quote, the Pope bowed to the Muslim holy book, the Quran, presented to him by the delegation, and he kissed it as a sign of respect. The photo of that gesture has been shown repeatedly on Iraqi television, and it demonstrates that the Pope is not only aware of the suffering of the Iraqi people, but that he has also great respect for Islam. Joe, how much respect does he have for Islam? Well, in a prayer, okay, the Jubilee pilgrimage of His Holiness, John Paul II, in the Holy Land on March 20, 20th to 26th in 2000, in his visit to Wadi Al-Karar, I hope that's how you say that, this is how he finishes it, okay? May Saint John Baptist protect Islam and all the people of Jordan. Why does that matter? Because, Joe, he's not just saying protect yeah. Jordan or Muslims, Muslims yeah. right? Because we would say protect Muslims so we could share the gospel so they get saved. Absolutely. Protect Islam? This is something that denies that Jesus died on a cross, that denies that Jesus is God, that is, with beyond a shadow of a doubt, is a war manual. Yeah, it's a war manual. To conquer. And this guy is saying protect Islam. And I listened to a Catholic apologist on this very topic. And he said this, which kind of just blew my mind, especially was as we listened to, you know, Bishop Barron there talking to Shapiro and basically saying you could follow, you know, uh, you know, Judaism and still be saved. Right. That's really weird considering Jesus. But um, but here's something that he pointed out, that if they believe those who trust in Vatican II, if they believe that somebody, just as we read, can be saved outside of the fold of Christianity, outside of that, then ultimately the Quran is actually a means of grace. Yeah, yeah. 
So kissing the Quran is actually kissing the means of grace by which they are saved, which, by the way, it's, it's, it's part of worship. Actually, yeah. by the way, doing that. Oh, yeah. So you have this going on. That's how they worship their icons, their iconography and everything that they're doing, them and, and, and Orthodox as well. And you have them doing this and you have him doing this. It is the logical conclusion of an ecumenical movement that will lead us into a false prophet saying, worship this beast. Yes, absolutely. I believe that's the direction it is going in. Uh, when you look at that and that cry, I mean, the bowing down. Uh, Chad, to a book that was written by a man named Muhammad who claimed to be demon-possessed and be getting messages from demons, then ended up saying it's from the Archangel Michael, that that denies that Jesus is the Son of God. They believe in Isa, which is not the Jesus of the Bible. Muslims say, oh, we believe in Jesus too. It's a Gnostic Isa Jesus. Isa is a yeah. Gnostic Jesus. They deny, they deny that he's the Son of God. They deny that he died for sins. That's a, that's a different Jesus. So when you bow down and kiss, and I thought, I'm glad you pointed that out, Chad. That's an act of worship. The Greek word proskuneo, I didn't know where you were going with that. I'm like, oh, praise God. I'm glad you pointed that out. The Greek word for worship in the, is proskuneo, and it's used at times in, in, the, in the Old Testament, Septuagint, Greek translation of the Old Testament. It means to bow down and kiss, you know? That's what it means. He bows down and he kisses the Quran, which is absolute denial of Jesus Christ. That's a Judas kiss, because while he's kissing the Quran, he's denying Christ, man. And, and Catholics, if you're a Roman Catholic, I love you, man. Wake up, man. This isn't true Christianity. Come out of Babylon. Come out of this system. And I'm not saying the Roman Catholic Church is all Babylon. There's far more to Babylon than the Catholic Church, but I believe it's part of it in the end of days. So it's just amazing when you see that going on. And keep in mind, it's not just Catholics. It's Protestants. We talked about the Archbishop of, of Canterbury and so forth. And you have this huge ecumenical movement going on with, with professing Christians. We need to come out of all that junk. And you have the Common Word document, which I did a whole article. And I remember I got a call from, you know, you know, it's a long story. But anyway, I'll just say this, that I wrote that Rick Warren basically, and I pointed out that Roy, that uh, William Lane Craig basically acknowledged that Rick Warren basically signed a document that that denies Christ. And, and then all of a sudden it came to me because I wrote an article that got published by World Net Daily uh, stating that and then it came then I think uh, William Lane Craig called or was called by uh, you know Rick Warren's church saying did you say that and he had to acknowledge in a Bible study he said hey this document the common word document which was about taken from a surah in the Quran which says make a common word with Christians and and the common word is that they will deny so that they will deny that basically Jesus is the son of God you know that the trinity and so forth that's what the com that's what the surah teaches uh, and when you sign that document, which is called the Common Word document, you're signing yourself saying, yeah, we're going to agree with you. You know, Rick Warren said, well, I didn't agree with everything in the document. Like, hopefully, like, uh, Rick, like, uh, you know, statements like, you know, Muhammad's a prophet. You know, you hopefully you disagree with that. <laughs> yeah. Why are you signing that then? So this is really weird where all this is headed, Chad. It's a full-blown denial of, of the true Jesus, which paves the way for the false Jesus, Isa. And uh, you guys, if you don't know this, and we've just did, did a whole... Uh, message on a couple weeks back called on um, the Islamic Antichrist, the coming false prophet, and so forth. Uh, we talked about it then, uh, and Chad and I talked about this off and on because it's so important, it's so powerful. The Bible talks about there's not just going to be the Antichrist, which there's a lot of indications that he's going to come out of the, the whole Islamic world, the Mahdi. They're waiting for the Mahdi, the last Mahdi who will make a seven-year covenant. That sounds like the book of Revelation, right? And Daniel, he'll he'll come in and set his throne on the Temple Mount. Ooh, that sounds like the Antichrist of Revelation. It'll be a seven-year covenant he'll make. Ooh, that sounds like Daniel Revelation. All that stuff is just a blow mind. He'll smash but guess all the what? crosses. He'll yeah. smash the crosses. In fact, that's where the Isa comes in. They say, well, he's going to have support from Isa. 
And the Mahdi will say, hey, can you, you know, pray? And the Isa, according to the Hadith that are used by the Shia Muslims, he'll back up and defer to the Mahdi and, say, and give him exaltation and point to him to follow him. And that's exactly what the book of Revelation says the false prophet will do. And the book of Revelation says the false prophet will look like a Jesus, a false Jesus. In Revelation 12, 11, it talks about the false prophet who supports the Antichrist in the end of days. And it says, John says, I saw a beast coming out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb. It says he, he, he looked like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. In other words, he'll look like he represents Christ, Christianity, but he'll speak like a dragon. And I didn't have time to develop the false prophet enough to talk about the Pope in that message, but I've done that before. And man, I'll tell you what, man, that'd be perfect for the Pope to just step in because he's so ecumenical and they're already kissing the Quran and things like that and worshiping with snake charmers. And it's all about ecumenism, bringing everybody together, except those who resist, like the Donatist who were persecuted by early Rome. And that's a picture of what's going to happen to us as Christians. And it's interesting that the term lamb is used in the book of Revelation, more of Jesus than the rest of the Bible put together. It's, it's, it's Jesus. It speaks of Jesus ultimately, but not when it comes to the false prophet. He just looks like a lamb, speaks like a dragon. It's a warning that there's a coming false prophet that's going to represent Christianity, that's going to work with the Antichrist and deceive many. And Chad, this is such an important episode because we see this whole from the very get-go and how you began this whole thing, there's this whole ecumenical thing going, don't get caught up in this. Be loyal to Jesus Christ. And I want to ask you, are you loyal to Jesus over the Catholic Mary, over Catholic teaching? Because if you can set aside Jesus' warnings about false teaching and embrace praying to Mary when the Bible warns about praying to dead people, and you can embrace all these things that are not in the Scripture, I, I love you, but I'm encouraging you, God's calling you out, man. Be loyal to Jesus, man. There's millions of us, hundreds of millions who said no to Rome, no to Islam, yes to Jesus. If we lose our heads, praise God, man. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Hey, amen. And, you know, instead of kissing the Quran, do what Psalm chapter 2 says. Wake up in the morning and kiss the sun, amen. lest he be angry. I want to just encourage you guys, turn to Jesus right now. If you don't know Christ, know all these things are coming. It's not an accident. It's all these ecumenical movements, everything that's going on. It's not an accident, but there's a culmination, and we get to be with Jesus forever if we're in Christ. Amen. This has been Pastor Joe and Chad Davidson. This is 511 News. The 511 News with Chad Davidson has been brought to you by Good Fight Ministries, bringing you news and commentary from a Christian perspective. This show can be heard every Friday wherever podcast shows are available, or visit 511news.org. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to being with you next week on the 511 News.